Welcome to Unfuck Your Head. I am your host, Kat Jordan. It's time to take action, get out of bed, smell the new day, and unfuck your head. All right, I love the fact that it has been, I'm not going to even say how many years since I saw you last, but I love the fact that it's been so many years and I swear it's as if we had picked up where we left off. Yeah. I think part of that is because we're both therapists, right? Um, so I am here with Laura Bedacker. 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 <laughs> I'm just going to screw this up completely. <laughs> what was the other thing that you said when you were, you were making this? I wish we had a video of you. Bedacker. Bedacker. You gotta like, you gotta like, <laughs> your fingers, you gotta like jive it together. I don't know. <laughs> Fucking weird. That's awesome. All right. So, um, <laughs> Laura is a fellow licensed marriage and family therapist. Right. We met in graduate school at St. Joe's in, um, West Hartford in Connecticut. And, um, you saw some of my postings about the podcast, yes. right? And you reached out and you're like, oh, let me share my story. Yeah. And absolutely. I was like, fuck yeah. Of course. Let's get this going. <laughs> so, um, all right. So you graduated in 2012. <clears throat> And um, you specialize in perinatal mental health. Yes, ma'am. Right? <laughs> so perinatal <laughs> mental health is um, the the time from conception to you know the first year postpartum. Um, you know, but within that scope, we also uh, per- perinatal therapists um, also work with people trying to conceive. Um, we work with loss. We work. I mean, there's just it, it's insane the amount of stuff that goes under that giant umbrella um and so it's not just like from conception to birth or from conception to like a year out right you really are dealing with everything that comes up to working to try to conceive yes and then everything that comes after having children yes right so this is a very specific but also really like developmentally a broad spectrum right cool right yeah yeah and we so to be a perinatal therapist um and you know when I share my story a little bit, um, it'll help to understand why, um, you know, not to necessarily plug uh, postpartum support international here so early on, but they are the um, the organization that trains and specializes. And I'm sure you know, Kat, like in our field, like I specialize, mm-hmm. I specialize, I specialize, I specialize. Everybody right. specializes in something. In and something. It's like, so what makes you like, what, why, how, just because I had a baby doesn't mean I specialize in postpartum. Right. You, you know? can't just use that word because, you know, right. you see 10 out of your 20 clients in right. this one area, you actually have to back it up right. with like training. education and yes. training and certifications yes. and stuff like that. So yes. you are yes. backed up with all of that, all of that good yeah. stuff. And there is actually, um, and the only thing I'm not backed up with yet, which I will be doing is, um, we have a perinatal mental health certificate. Um, and we have an exam. It literally just came out last year oh, in 2018. Awesome. So, um, able to test for it and take it at any time. I just have to spend the money and do it. That's you know? fantastic. That's cool. <laughs> 
And I love that it, this field seems to be like bursting. Oh, it's right? amazing. Yeah. Which is yeah. in some ways really surprising to think that like our most basic human existence, right? Of like creating life. Yep. And all that comes with it is only now in 2020, right? Or even right. maybe in the last like decade right. of like really formulating an agency and groups right. and therapists who right. are targeting this particular area of expertise so right. that we can really help people navigate, um, you know, these challenging times. Can you speak to that a little bit about like where from your perspective we've gone from, um, like it not being so much of a focus in treatment to mm -hmm. suddenly now being a focus in treatment in mental health? As a society, we're all so isolated mm -hmm. um, and we're so much more isolated than, you know, we used to be hundreds of years ago, you know, and even a even hundred years ago, um, you know, as, as the economy gets, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger and people make more and more money. You don't need your extended family living with you anymore. So now you have less support for couples. You have right. less support for families. You have less people taking care of the people who are giving life. And so with that, um, you see more stuff pop up. I mean, there is of course stuff that's going to pop up regardless, right. um, you know, but we have a lot of isolation that goes into that. And, you know, I think that within the last, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years, um, the treatment of it sort of coming up to the surface does have a lot to do with like the deep stigmatization and like women kind of crawling out of the woodwork and going, oh wait, like you, you suffered, I suffered too. I mean, I find that when I tell women, I just, we, my husband and I just moved and about a year ago and we moved into the neighborhood and I'm talking to neighbors and telling my, you know, 60 something year old neighbor that I specialize in perinatal mental health. And she looks at me and it's like, I struggled with both of my kids. I wow. wish that something like that existed. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. people, when, when they know it exists, they're like right here, me, 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 me. Yeah. And, and I love that because that is exactly why I'm doing this, yeah. right? Because the more we talk about these kinds of things, the more people are saying, oh yeah, no, I had that experience. Right. Right. And like realizing that we truly are not alone and that we really are all right. experiencing right. these very similar yeah. uh, struggles. The like PSI's whole mission um, is you are like their, their mission statement. Like you're not alone. You are not to blame with help. You will be well. And yeah. like, that's it. Like you're not alone. Yeah. But like, it feels like you are until you never feel more alone right. than like when you're in it. Right. So. Until you have that support. And I get that because yeah. we have, we've seen a lot of familial supports, um, you know, disintegrate, right? right? We just don't right. live with the kind of community right. that we are parents or even our grandparents right. certainly had right. so I can see where that that one piece is right. making a significant impact on right. it right and even like us like I mean I don't, I don't know about you but like me I, I think it is a millennial thing I don't, I don't fucking know um but like I had help but I there like especially with my first like fuck that there was I was gonna do this I was doing this I didn't need anybody's help I didn't need my mom coming over and cleaning my house I didn't need any of that right you know that was my fucked up like independent like to a fault dialogue like I had to do this but like the entire time I'm like suffering and like right. crawling my way through this and like I should have just allowed that allowed somebody to fucking help me you know it's interesting you should say that too because I you know I just reflected back I was like oh yeah no for my first I had my mom she she was a labor and delivery mm -hmm. nurse so Aww. she spent probably 20 years helping people give birth and it was mm -hmm. like her pride and joy 
And so when I got pregnant, it was a no-brainer, right? Like right. my mom was going to be there. And for my daughter, she was there for the first eight weeks. Wow. Post. She's like your postpartum doula. She was. <laughs> but I remember being in that same position right. of like, no, I need, at some point I'm going to have to do this on my own. Right. So while you're here, mom, I also need to learn how to do this on my own. Yeah. And I did suffer. Yeah. Even with my mom present. Right. So I, I get it. It really has to be from a place of like, not only do we um, allow our supports to be present if we have the support. Right. But then allow ourselves to be okay and mm-hmm. asking for fucking help. Of course. All right. So go ahead. I, won't, I don't want to take away any more time. Oh, no, no. Like, your fine. story. Listen, so, I talk about PSI all day. <laughs> we could I we've can already established the existential like why do we have postpartum depression like all day but like yes my story is very important yeah that's all right we've already decided Laura that you're going to come back on the podcast because we've got so much more to chat about oh hell yeah fellow therapists talking about other therapy related right, stuff right 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 that this all the it's podcast happening. is ever going it's to happening. <laughs> yeah so okay so um I guess that the best place to start um you know like what is, you know, with my own journey is what brought me to specifically the postpartum work that I do. Um, so I was pregnant um, when the hell was Violet born? Violet, don't ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, 2014. So um, in 2013, I got pregnant with my first. Um, you know, my husband and I had a very, like, uncomplicated trying to conceive situation. Um, pregnancy was super uncomplicated. Um and I'm honestly, looking back at the pregnancy, like I, my anxiety level, and I tend to be someone who runs high on the anxiety level, my anxiety level was okay, you know? And, um, you know, I knew, I knew that I was at a little bit of an increased risk for like postpartum depression, anxiety because of, you know, my his my personal history of depression, anxiety, but like in my head, it was like, yeah, that's not me. And the picture that I had of it was like postpartum psychosis, like the mom who's like right. totally like not connected extreme. with reality. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and, and all of it was extreme in my head. Like you can't get out of bed. You can't like, and so when it did happen to me, I didn't realize it happened until my second. I didn't realize that I had it with my first because I just didn't have it as bad with my first but I did with my second. So, you know, it's so funny because I think, like, I had this, like, romanticized idea of what it was going to look like. And my husband and I used to bitch about, like, people being like, you think you're ready. You're not ready. And, like, we're like, fuck you. Like, we're ready. And then to a degree, I'm like, yeah, you know, we were as ready as we were. As you were ever ready. Because there's no such thing as actually being ready. No. And, like, it all started, like, at labor and delivery, like, that's where it started. Because I had a plan. Mm. I had a plan. I was going to do a natural childbirth and I'm a fucking, like I've run marathons. Like I'm like, I was looking at labor and delivery, like a marathon, Yeah, you know, like Like you had my body's going to do this. Yeah. You know, your body can do it. You're going to pace yourself. Right. Right. Exactly. You have this plan. Right. right. And just like grit my teeth and muscle, muscle through it. Yeah. So what happened? Well, I was in labor for like, uh, 24 hours. Holy shit. Uh, well at 36 total. Holy shit. Right. But like, so I was natural for like. 24 hours and I was at nine centimeters for four hours and I was doing great until that point and being in transition for four hours was just exhausting by the end of it I was like screaming I was crying in between contractions because of like the relief of not being in pain and like I just kind of like I remember being like if she comes in and checks me and I'm not ready to push because the entire time I wanted to push I felt 
the pressure and the pressure for me was just like if she comes in and I'm not ready to push like I don't care I don't care what you I'm done and she like comes in and she's like I'm sorry and I'm like I don't want to do this and that was that. Right. And so I got the epidural, which was for me, the, like it, it ended up being a good choice. It was great. I slept, whatever. I, I pushed Violet for four hours and out she came. And, you know, not like that moment was just right. insane. You right. Know? And so then my husband and I, like fucking idiots, did not take any time to sleep in the hospital. We had a hundred people come. Um, I stayed up watching her breathe for the first night. Oh my gosh, yes, you've yeah, been there. Yeah, right. I'm just going to stare at this just little thing. Just going to stare. Make sure she's still alive at every given second. Right, right. And so this is like 36 hours, no sleep. And then like another 24 because she's, I'm watching her sleep. And then the second fucking night comes. And she did not sleep at all. She was up cluster feeding the whole night. And like, I like, and that was like the first moment of like, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? And I felt like a failure and I couldn't like, I just couldn't, I couldn't. So it was okay though. Like, you know, got it together. We got home. Everything was good. And you know, those first few weeks were just really, really, really hard, you know, like in my head, like to understand the picture that I painted, like my, we had this old Victorian that had these huge fucking windows, gorgeous, like, five foot, five, six something windows, long, tall. And in my head, I had this like vision of myself, like, like holding my newborn baby, like bathed in this warm light of the window, this beautiful, beautiful thing. Right. Right. Well, but you know what the reality looks like. Yeah. You're like hunched over breastfeeding in the middle of the night, (laughs) like illuminated by the glow of your phone as you're furiously Googling all the ways your baby can die. four days old let's be honest yes right so, so it's so not this glorious thing that no. we imagine no or that photographers right make it look make like it look like right right and that was you know that for me that expectation versus reality was like a huge deal and yeah. breastfeeding breastfeeding was such a struggle for me um and because I was so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm rigid I'm all or nothing I mean right. fuck you know, and for me, breastfeeding, like, it wasn't a conversation. Like, I wasn't, there was no conversation around it. Like, it was fucking happening. I didn't care what I had to do to myself, to any of this, to make it happen. And Violet and I did not have a great, like, breastfeeding relationship. And I fucking hated it. Like, I hated it. It was not for me. But because of what I felt and the guilt I felt around it and all of, like, the like breast is best and this is what you're and and I agree with all that I do and as as a woman and as a provider like everybody has to make a decision that's right for them but for me it was causing me so much stress and anxiety and after like my husband will talk about it like coming home from work and he would like he's like you know I'd come home from work and Laura's like sitting there on the ottoman and I'm looking at her just hold, like coming home from work and she's just sitting there crying, like holding the baby and her tears yeah. are hitting our daughter on the head. And yeah. she's just sitting there crying. He's like, I don't want to come home to that anymore. Yeah. You know, and I remember thinking like one morning waking up and being like, what's the point in going downstairs? There's no point in going downstairs because go. we're just going to lay in bed all, we're, she's just going to be on me all fucking day. This yeah. is like six or eight weeks. And so I gave up and um, that was really hard. That was yeah. like. I remember walking through Target and we're like picking out formula and like in my head, I'm like, well, I think I should probably just stop eating because, you know, there's no point in me feeding myself. What What's my purpose? There's no point. And there's that passive there's suicidal ideation. There's <laughs> my, exactly. And this is why this becomes such 
a pivotal, critical thing that you are doing working with these clients of right. yours is because if we're talking about the thing that we exist as human yeah. beings to procreate and to have right. more babies, right. and our entire society is struggling with not only just conceiving, right. But then feeding them. Right. What you're feeding them. How you're feeding them. How do you, all of that brings us all the way back down to if I can't do this, if I'm somehow in my mind or in other people's perceptions failing mm-hmm. my sole purpose of existence, right. then what's the fucking point? Exactly. And how are you supposed to challenge that? Right? Like there's mm-hmm. like a little bit of like legitimacy in that, <laughs> right? As I'm saying. Like saying, don't, right. it's totally not worth it, you guys. Like, no, you're no, fine, no, yeah. keep going, right. feed yourself. Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard once you hit that spot, right? Of how do you get back out, right? Right, and it, it is. And I think that that for me was, was tough, you know, like that was a low point with her, with Violet, and and in that postpartum period with her. But once we started formula feeding, like, I got some freedom back and, and things started going well. My husband and I, our relationship was just fucking falling apart. It was horrific. I had a friend that was going through a divorce, which was affecting me really intensely. Um, we were very close with them. And then she and I were, um, you know, there was kind of a rift between us. And I just, I, and I was the first in my group of girlfriends to have a baby. Oh, and that too. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> it, I remember like being at parties with my kids and like my girlfriends are fabulous. They're all fabulous. They're wonderful, fabulous human beings. I love them to death. But like being at a party and going and chasing after my one-year-old and everybody's like over there eating and I'm standing off to the side, like Mom. with my kid, right? you know, and being like, what the fuck? Like this yeah. fucking sucks. So you know, my, my husband and I ended up going to couples therapy with a fabulous couples therapist um, who I love and um, who is involved with, uh, who is a perinatal therapist as well. That's what drew me to her. My husband was like, I'm so, I don't want this, like, I don't want her to be this, like, man-hater. And I'm like, excuse oh me, my like, God. that's not what it means. But that's like, a whole other podcast, right? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. But, like, you know, she was perfect. She was the perfect fit for us um, and, you know, really helped us. And... You know, that was kind of it. And, like, at, Violet was, like, a year old at that point. Okay. Like, I just kind of made it through. So, like, you know, we were good. We were good. Now, Iris is a whole other fucking story. Which is interesting, too, because as I'm watching you describe just this first experience, yeah. like, I'm getting visceral reactions myself <laughs> of, like, being in those moments, remembering how hard it was to breastfeed myself, too. Yeah. And, and, like, fuck. Like, when you just lay there like a cow... Yeah. And you're just having this thing feed off of you or like not feed off of you because right. they're not latching properly right. and like the pain and the frustration. Right. And now you're about to tell me that your next experience was worse than that. And right. I'm like, fuck, girl. Right. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, I mean, and not to mention like the, like, so I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind one more time yeah. back to Violet and my husband and I with like that unexpected, um, you know, it was probably like five nights in or whatever. And Brock was probably going to kill me for saying this. Um, <laughs> But we're sitting there in her nursery and, um, you know, soothing a newborn as, as a first-time parent is just terrifying. It absolutely is. And we're sitting there and she's crying and we finally get her down and my husband looks at me and he goes, Laura, I know why people shake babies. And like, he wasn't, he wasn't like, and I'm like, I know. I'm like, how do people do this alone? He's yeah. like, how do fucking teenagers do this? And I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, but and that the, frustration yes. level, you don't expect to feel. And then you're like, 
what the fuck is wrong with me? And that's and that's the fucked up part right. is because if we're not actually talking about it, I'm so glad that you did say that mm-hmm. because so many people get to that point. And I don't remember know what to do with it. and don't know what to do with that. I remember and thank God my mom was there. This was with my firstborn too. Mm-hmm. Again, it's middle of the night. Yeah. I'm sleep deprived. I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. and I can't get her to calm down. And I remember punching the wall right above her crib out of complete and pure frustration because I didn't know what else to fucking do to calm her down. And I have my mom here and like, we're still not able to figure it out. And I feel like a failure. And, and I think the other piece of this too, and I've heard from my own clients of like, you know, and, I, and I'd be curious to hear from other fathers, is like uh, the, the female visceral reaction, the physiological response that we get when our child is crying oh, right, yeah. is so deeply rooted in our bones right. that, like that you can't tune it out. No. You can't tune it out. You can't numb it out. It's like, and, and it affects you in such a deep way that you really do feel kind of crazy. Yes. And, it, and that sleep deprivation is a huge trigger. A yeah. huge trigger. You know, I mean, we're talking about like basic needs not being met. Right. How, how are you supposed to control your frustration or respond when you, you haven't had slept in three weeks? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, again, a whole other podcast about like the importance of sleep and how you can literally make yourself go insane without yeah. it. It's a form of die. torture. Yeah. <laughs> it's a form know. of torture. Like the Navy <laughs> SEALs. Like what the kids <laughs> questioning tactic nobody nobody hold me accountable for that i don't know if that's the real <laughs> <laughs> like, i think it is fuck that's probably true and i'm thinking of all these women who are listening to about like who want to have babies yeah don't be scared don't it's be okay. scared it's have babies it. anyway it's worth it yeah I promise just make sure you get a good support system we'll talk a little bit and I'll sleep give that a little bit of a plug at the end <laughs> don't shake your baby don't shake your baby and and try not to punch walls yeah <laughs> just take a time out and that's what I tell all my moms. Like, go in the bathroom, turn on the shower, wash your face, like, drown out the noise. Like, you know, take a second. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to Iris. Hmm. So my husband and I decided that all of these really great life changes were going to happen all at one time. So I went into private practice in August. Um, we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to put the house on the market. And then you know, we're going to try to get pregnant and it's going to take a little while. And how old was Violet? Was Violet was like two, two and a handful of months. Yeah. So, um, I go into private practice in August. We put the house on the market in the beginning of October. I get my IUD out two weeks after we take the house off the market. I swear to God, we had sex one time and I got fucking pregnant. That's Um, all it takes. That's all it takes, guys. (laughs) And like the girl, the the girl, my fucking uh, OB was like, like, just no, you're going to need a backup form of birth control. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't even think I, I didn't even get a fucking period. And I'm not complaining. I was very happy that, you know, it happened. It just, that's rare. Right. It was just rare and it wasn't what we expected. So I was pregnant. Um, Iris was going to be due in July. um, And we kept the house on the market, which was a really, you know, it was a terrible fucking idea. We had 85 showings. Holy shit. We had one offer. um, And when that offer was made, it was in April. And then we scrambled to find a house. We made an offer like... All of it fell through, and that was like that was my breaking point. I the first thought in my head when I when I found out that the offer on our house 
fell through. Like, I my first thought was, I wish I wasn't pregnant. Oh my god, girl. And then oh I felt god. terrible. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And um, I had a really great um, uh, nurse midwife um, through my my OB practice at that point that like knew that I was like high anxiety and I had been talking to her about this and like going in and just like crying and she kept telling me like Laura like find a therapist and I was like I have one and I just never called because I was gonna go call our couples therapist the woman that we had seen as a couple right but I didn't because I didn't have time and because I was so tired and I didn't want to talk about it yeah I just didn't want to fucking talk about it right so um the entire time with Iris like looking back on it now I realize like I wasn't just a little nervous like I was like like clinically (laughs) nervous so you know my my midwife put me on boost bar um while I was still pregnant which was fine with me I didn't care I was so stressed I I just needed relief you needed to be okay so it helped a little bit, I think, take the edge off. Um, you know, we ended up, we took the house off the market. We're like, we're going to stay here. It's okay. We're going to stay here for a year. It'll be fine. Um, and so Iris, um, you know, her labor and delivery was a little different than Violet's. Um, her labor and delivery, like from a medical standpoint, was just absolutely perfect. Like That's awesome. <laughs> absolutely perfect. The nurses were crying because the birth was so beautiful. What? <laughs> like I we were listening to um, you know, my favorite like fucking early 2000s rap like oh while God. I was pushing. Like it was just it was good. But the entire time I was terrified yeah. because I had convinced myself that I was going to die. Like that I was going to die in labor and delivery oh in that um, you know, I was going to leave my my 3-year-old at oh the Violet was 3 at that yeah. point. You know that she was going to be motherless and that was just terrifying and so for you like this just so that our listeners kind of understand that this kind of experience was outside of your normal yes realm of, of generalizing generalizing yes. that right this wasn't a normal so kind of like shit. hey you know this is something that i'm considering no. as some as a worry this was yeah. like i i am so convinced that this is something that's going yeah. to happen that yes. puts you into a position of where this is a clinical right experience yes. for you yes yeah, yeah. And I mean, and I just, like anything that was happening in the room, like I had a, a couple like blood clots in my uterus, which is like, you know, it's not, ab- I mean, they do something about it, but it's not like this major catastrophe. But as they're going in there, removing the clots, I'm like, this is it. They're not telling me that I'm going to die. Like wow. that's what's going to happen. So, and you know, again, like didn't in the moment, didn't really see it as anything other than what it was. Um, And then it started, like, in the hospital, Violet came to meet Iris, and oh my god, she was so fucking cute. Violet (laughs) was. She, like, held her, and she sang to her. And Violet is, you know, she is definitely my husband and I. She is, like, our child. She's an anxious girl. We love her. Um, But it was so traumatic when she left. Like, she um, didn't want to go. And so she's screaming, my family, my family, I don't want to leave my family. And like my parents and my mother-in-law were just kind of standing there like, the fuck do we do with her? And like my husband, like my, my, my husband had to like pry her off him to like, and, and like my dad like had to help and like they're carrying Violet down the hallway and she's reaching towards us screaming, my family, my family. Like it was terrible. I was like sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. I was like, Rocco, you have to go. You have to go. You have to leave. I mean, eventually 
everything calmed down. My parent, like, they went downstairs and put fucking Peppa Pig on my mother-in-law's phone, and she was fine. She was fine. But to me, that I saw fine. that, and it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, and then we got home, and, like, there was no pause, right. you know, because it's your second child, and there was no pause. And I remember before I got pregnant, I read somebody's blog post about, like, how she didn't have trouble with uh, bonding with her um her baby, she had trouble bonding. She had trouble with her older child. And, I, and you know, me, at that point, Violet was the only one I had. I mean, I was pregnant, but I'm like, I couldn't imagine that. Like, And here comes the judgment. Like, what kind of mother? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Well, thank you, karma. Hello. <laughs> In comes karma. Yes. So we got home and, like, nothing, like, there was no pause. Like, I, I, I it was, looking back, it was immediate. I remember being in fucking like babies or us and getting in like an argument with my three-year-old and my husband like getting involved and like getting angry at me and like I mean I think it was rightfully so I think I was being ridiculous and then we're driving and I'm like I just had a baby five days ago and he's like I'm sorry I'm sorry like you know but it was just a lot and Violet um Violet had a really hard time and she wasn't sleeping and Iris Iris didn't sleep very well either she was up 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 all the time I breastfed her for just a little bit before I was like fuck that noise I don't want to do it um but I wasn't sleeping um and it, it and then I started getting um postpartum insomnia oh shit which is super fun yeah um and so like I was um sleeping about an average of like four hours a night oh my god and then I wasn't napping during the day because I had another child and I'm trying to like keep everything going yeah and um then I started, I, it was at this point that like I started, this was maybe like three weeks, four weeks postpartum and like I went for my first like run because I love to run and that was okay. It was okay. I felt good. Um, but I started like fixating on prolapse um, and I don't know why and it's not a big deal like if you do have prolapse like in my sane mind but I started fixating on it. Right. Um, and I was like checking myself with a mirror which is hysterical because you know, I had no fucking business. Like, <laughs> I have not looked down there with a mirror in fucking years. And I choose four weeks postpartum. What the fuck are you doing to yourself? Okay, right? please. We have to pause for a second here. <laughs> Girls. Ladies. Women. Public service announcement. Public service announcement. Prior to, at any point in your life, you know what? Fuck that. If you're listening... Pause the show, go get a mirror, and check your stuff out. Hell yeah. Go look at it. Yeah. For get one, familiar. Because you're supposed to be familiar with your anatomy. Right. Right? And two, you sure as fuck want to know what it looks like prior to having a baby. So right. you know what it's supposed to not look like. Because I'm sure post-baby, um, yeah, that's scary. It was, <laughs> it was weird. Because again, this, you had a natural birth. Right. Right? Yeah. And this is only four weeks. Right. So everything is still super swollen. <laughs> right. So do you see how this is like, how it started getting ramped up? Yes. So I'm fixating on this prolapse situation. And meanwhile, 
now, you know, it's been a few weeks of me fixating on prolapse and I'm calling my OB and calling my OB and I've switched my OB since because I do feel like in this regard, they failed me a little bit. They were very dismissive. And I think about it as a provider, like granted, they checked me, right? They knew I wasn't prolapsed. The fact that you have this woman calling multiple times a week to tell you that she really thinks she's prolapsed and you medically know she isn't right. Um, hello. Referral. Right. There's a serious amount of fucking anxiety there. Yeah. So I'm fixated on this idea of prolapse. Um, and meanwhile, it's like six weeks postpartum now. And I start running. I think that's a great idea. And I'm still not sleeping. Um, and I'm running on my like, <laughs> like I'm just like flabby and like the most, like I love my body. I'm totally fine with my body. And I just mean it in like the most, like hadn't worked out in a long time. But like I'm running on these like atrophied fucking muscles. Like, but like this is post baby. Right. No shit. Right. Oh, yeah, but no, but in my head, it's like, do it, just do it. Just right. fucking do it, Laura. And so, um, you know, I'm doing this and like, I feel like I'm sitting, like, I feel like there's something, like, a golf ball in yeah. my, like, vagina. Like, that's what it feels like. And I'm yeah. like, it's the prolapse. It's the prolapse. I'm calling the on-call. She's like, honey, you're six weeks postpartum. Like, get off the fucking treadmill. So I just kind of am like, whatever, whatever. So I, I, I like, backed off the running a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Meanwhile, all of this is happening. Um, I am having a very difficult time with our older daughter. Um... And, and by very difficult time, I mean, like, I can't stand her. I'm raging at her. I'm not an angry person. I'm loud, obviously. <laughs> but I'm not an angry person. But I'm not an angry person. And, um, and my husband, like, said this in therapy because he came, he came with me when I – I did go to therapy. I'm looking at the microphone. Like, I did go to therapy. <laughs> I did. I did. And I finally did. But, like, my husband in therapy, like, said, like, she yells at our daughter like she used to yell at the dog. And, like, that was, like, punch in the gut. Right. Fuck. Like, because that's the only person, not a person, that's a dog, that's the only thing that would ever get, like, my rage was to that lava. Right. Right. The fucking dog. So I, Violet, like, wasn't going to bed at night, and that's where, like, we would rage, and my husband would, like, have to take over, and it was just, it was bad. And, um, one memory in particular, like, the day that, like, I kind of, well, let me rewind a little bit. I don't know how long it's like probably six or seven weeks. I don't know. Um, I remember like sitting and I'm not sleeping. Um, and I remember sitting in Iris's chair and it was like the middle of the night. Um, and I'm holding her and I think to myself, like I just had this vision in my head because I was so tired of falling asleep in the chair and, um, little like trigger warning here, people like, I, like, in my head, saw her, like, wedged between myself and the chair and, like, dead. And yeah. it, that's the, like, it just came into my head. Intrusive. Yep. Right. And, I, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what would I do? And I was like, well, I would just walk. And we have a shotgun. And I'm like, I would just go. And I'd get the gun and I'd fucking kill myself. Like, I would just kill myself. And it would be better. It would be better for everybody. And it's fine. And then immediately following going, what the fuck, Laura? What the fuck is wrong with you? Who fucking thinks like that? You're disgusting. What is wrong with you? Holy shit. You know, and like that. Like literally, like what? Um, And so I like, um, 
much later, like in therapy, learned that like those are intrusive thoughts and they, um, you know, they're often indicative of like postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder, um, which I didn't actually end up going into like obsessive compulsive disorder, but like they're the first, you know, sort of yes that that's where things are headed right Right. and I remembered thinking like seeing Violet in her crib when she was really little and I'd have like visions of myself strangling her or smothering her the thought would come in my head and I would go immediately after like it would happen and I'd go oh my god 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 what the fuck is wrong with me I don't want to fucking do that what is wrong with me you're sick you're disgusting nobody can know this I thought there was something like broken in me right like literally thought that there was some something broken in me that like just could like I could never tell anybody because if I did like they would take my kids like what the fuck is wrong with me right so of course being in therapy you know my my fabulous postpartum therapist um which she she really was um you know normalized all that for me to the degree that like no you're not broken and disgusting like yes you are experiencing something but you're not disgusting right you know? But there's not something like intrinsically wrong with who no. you are as a person, but this is right. an experience that you're having right. and that it's actually more common. Right. And and then what we believe it to be because right. no one's talking about it. Right. And that the thoughts that I'm having don't doesn't mean I'm gonna act on them. And right. this is where the importance of seeing like someone who specializes in postpartum. Right. That this is where the difference lies. Because if you went into maybe a therapist who didn't understand about postpartum intrusive right. thoughts, they would see that as postpartum psychosis. They would see that as a, a person who is going to act on those. That's not the case. I didn't want to act on those thoughts. Those thoughts terrified me. Right. Um, and then you can see how like the OCD comes out of it because you have a mom who maybe sees herself throwing the kid down the stairs. Well, now you've got a mom who doesn't want to go upstairs or downstairs holding the baby. Right. And there's the compulsion. You know. Right. So, but regardless. So I had this, you know, that thought sitting in the chair with Iris. Um, and then a few days later, Violet came home from school, um, preschool. She's so cute. <laughs> um, and I was trying to get her down for a nap. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't go to sleep. And that was where, like, our battles, like I said, always came up around sleep. And she mm-hmm. wouldn't go to sleep. And I just, I lost it. And I was screaming at her and screaming in her face. And I'm pretty sure I told her I was going to kill her. Um, and I remember the look on her face. Oh, my God. She was scared of me. <laughs> Sorry. No, this is why we have the back of Yeah, right. I told you there's parts of this that are going to get me, and I'm going to use humor to deflect it. <laughs> the joy of fucking therapies doing this stuff like I'm gonna cry and then I'm gonna analyze it and then I'm gonna laugh and then I'm gonna laugh we're gonna we're gonna be really good at avoiding those really uncomfortable feelings fucking don't sit with it and I'm gonna bring you back to it so you're screaming in her face fuck you cat I'm sorry (laughs) this is what I do (laughs) yeah so I was screaming in her face and I told her that I was gonna kill her and um I didn't like I didn't I in my head like that's not what I was thinking like I wasn't like thinking about killing her but I was like oh my god fucking kill you and then I said I said I gotta get out of here I'm gonna hurt you I'm gonna hurt you I know I'm gonna hurt you and I ran away from her (laughs) I did the best thing I could do I fucking closed her bedroom door and I went downstairs and I locked our front door and I locked our side doors and all the windows were locked 
And I went in the shower. Yeah. And I was like, she's safe, and I need to chill the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and the baby was sleeping, so that was okay. And I thought, you know, my dad's retired, and I'm like, I've got to call my dad. I've got to call my dad. I can't be alone with her. And I was so ashamed, and I didn't fucking call him. <laughs> but I didn't tell him, you know, that I was scared after. And he was like, Laura, you can call me. <laughs> um, but I was so ashamed. Yeah. And um, I, um, I went to her room, and she was crying. And I was like, I started crying, obviously. And I was like, baby, I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to never hurt you. I would never hurt you. Like, come, you know, come lay with me. And she and I just laid in my bed. And, like, it was fine. And I, like, told my husband about it. And he, like, you know, he's... He's phenomenal. He's just... He's such a good person. And he was so patient with me. And he was fucking devastated. Because he saw me, like, slipping away. And, like, he helped me in bed. And was like, you're... So he didn't shame you? No, he, no, was, he, he told me I was a good mom and it made him so sad. Yeah. But that was happening with our relationship. Good job, Rocco. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> kudos! Brad points for that. Right. And so, um, yeah, like that night I laid in bed and like he fell asleep because he falls asleep in 0.5 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, I laid in bed and I just cried. And, you know, and then I really did kind of like think about like, you know, like, well, like, should I, like, should I kill myself? Like, you know, was, is this like, and then of course I'm like, no, right. You no, know, that, like that moment of like, fuck. And, and the next night Rocco comes home and we're arguing about something. He comes in the house and I started, I just, the girls are in bed and I was like losing my shit at him. And I remember him being like, he's like trying to like, tell me that like I'm acting like ridiculous or something and I was and I just remember screaming back at him like I know it's me I know I'm the fucking problem I know it and like I'm crying and he's like comes over again with like the fucking like win and like holds me and you know is like we have to do something about this you have to call Catherine that was our couple's therapist so the next day tail tucked between my legs which was ridiculous because it was the best thing I ever fucking did right I called Catherine and that bitch was going on maternity leave she's not a all. she's a fucking fabulous human being but of course what like, the right? I finally do it Catherine I finally call right. you and now you're telling me you have maternity you? leave right I'm so showing she, up at your house yeah. fuck that I need therapy exactly so she did some beautiful, like, very quick normalization validation on the phone, like tip of the iceberg kind of stuff, and then yeah. gave me the name of another therapist. And that was like that second hurdle. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But I called her, and um, she was really sweet. And we set up an appointment. And I was super skeptical. And like, I came in and like, I told her, like, I'm a terrible client. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> and she was fabulous. And yeah. she, you know, she, she really, I can't even like articulate what I, she, she did to help you get through that. She held space. Yeah. She held the space for me and she let me rage and she let me cry and she didn't shame me. And I told her things that I was afraid to tell anybody and she didn't shame me. 
and she didn't look at me like I was disgusting or weird or anything and like that was everything and so it was funny actually I had one session with her and then the next in between that one session and the next session I'm like when the next time I went in I'm like I'm talking to her about medication I need medication I know I need fucking medication and I sit down and she's like so I want to talk about medication I'm like we're on the same page who do you want me to go to where is she who is she yep like can we start this can we do this right now (laughs) (laughs) and so I did I went on um I went on medication um and for me the combination of medication and therapy was um it was the winning piece. And I, I, I mean, I would love to say that like I started therapy and immediately like everything was fabulous, but it wasn't. Of course like, not. Because that's not realistic. No. That's not what actually happened. No. 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 So I started therapy and everything was like not fabulous, but it was getting better. And right. It was getting better and better and better and better and better. And then as time went on, like, and I started like feeling more myself, um, I knew that like this was like I couldn't I had to do something with what my experience and like what I felt and like so I I was sent to Jen my therapist I'm like I like you this is what I want to do and I remember her saying to me because talking about like therapy like do you like what you do and I was like I don't know I used to and my response I think I'm good at it Right. And she was like, yeah, but do you like it? Right. Do you enjoy it? And I was like, I don't know what I enjoy. And she was like, so like when I was getting into this, like postpartum work, she was like, I, I couldn't stop reading about it. I couldn't. Right. I was into it. She goes, do you feel that way about your work? And I'm like, no. And again, pivotal moment. Right. Right. And then it's like, do I, and I, I mean, I was like, talk about like fucking existential crisis yeah like I'm sitting in there and I'm like do I even want to be a therapist like do I even and I had this one of my sessions do I even want to be a mother did I make a mistake right you know and did I just become a mother because it was the next fucking thing to do on my list of like right Laura's accomplishments like right Jesus Christ um but no I, I did I do I do want to become a mother and if anybody has that experience that's okay too. Totally normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay if you decide that you didn't want to become a mother after you've become a mother. That doesn't mean that you don't love the children you have. It just means that you would have done it differently. That and like being a mother entails way more work and pain than anyone has ever really been right. coming about. Right. You know, and right. I and and just to this whole point of like the more that we share about our stories and, and how difficult just normal existence is. Yeah. And I say normal, like, loosely, you know, because I don't even think that that's a word. But um, human experience, um, the less shame and less guilt and less expectations and shoulds and shouldn'ts play into, you know, our narrative and play into, like, the story that we have. And so we can be okay with, like, you know... Who cares if at that point, you know, you get to a place where you're like, I don't know if this is the job that I want to be in. I don't know if I, you know, can get up every morning and and be like the best mom. Right. Because you're a fucking human being and it fucking sucks. Right. Well, and understanding too, like, I mean, I felt like super guilty that I was bored. Yeah. You know, like that, like I was, being a mother is monotonous. Yeah. 
it's fabulous, but it's boring sometimes. I, 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 it's so many times where it was like, we're sitting on the floor and they want to play. And oh, you're like, I fucking hate playing. I don't want to play. <laughs> I, re- I have to share that. I remember, this is just one of those moments, we're outside. This was back when we lived in Litchfield and we had this gorgeous like two acre plot mm-hmm. of land um, and it was all field and then backed up by trees. It was beautiful. And we're on the swing set and... I'm like sitting there like this is a gorgeous day and I'm fucking miserable. Yeah, fuck this shit. Right? And she wants to play and I'm like, why do I not want to play with my child? This is like what's wrong with me? Right, what's wrong with right. me? Thinking about like you what you're talking about your your experience of like pushing your daughter in the swing, like, you know, I, I I talk a lot with moms about this and it's like, you know, all she wants to do is play this with me or play that with me, like my kids, my daughter always wants to play Barbies and she yeah. wants to play Barbies with me and I fucking hate pretending. Like, yeah. I'm 34 years old. Like, I don't want to play with Barbies. I don't want to pretend. No. I just want to fucking color. Can <laughs> you just <laughs> let me color with Can you? Can color? Can we color? And no, so I'm not going to color what you want me to color. Let no. me color what I I'm want I'm going to draw a beautiful piece of artwork. <laughs> um, but that, like, you know, and I'll say to mom, like, mom's like, yeah, because fucking pushing your kid on the swings is boring. <laughs> <laughs> because playing Barbies is boring. Like, yeah. that's why you don't want to do it. It's so, okay. Right, so it's not about, like, you're a bad mom. No. Because you're not relating you to your two-year-olds. you don't like playing Barbies. Like, that's cool, man. It's okay. There's other things that you like to do with your kid. And, like, and if you sit with it for a second, yeah. you'll be like, right, I do. I like And that's okay. Things, and that's but then okay. I, but d- that feeling of shame, right, of like, what's wrong with me, right. is what is so harmful. Right. And that's where you, like, start to spiral. Like, right. what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong right. with me? And, like, once I knew about, like I said, like, once I figured out what, like, intrusive thoughts were with, like, my experience, like, I could go back to, like, my first postpartum experience and, like, bing, bang, boom, oh, that was an intrusive thought and that was an intrusive thought. All these things that I have been using to torture myself and shame myself are intrusive thoughts. Like, what the fuck, Laura? I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm like... In shock myself because I'm like, holy fuck, I totally had postpartum depression. And I didn't know it. <laughs> oh, cat. I'm like, what the fuck? You're like, wait a minute, I had intrusive thoughts. I did. I did. I did. And I'm and I'm thinking here too of like, so I distinctively, obviously, with your first child, I think yeah. everything is really highlighted and really like, like I I remember so much right. of having. Uh, my first in those that first year and I was extremely fortunate enough to stay home with her for the first 15 months of her life which was an absolute blessing thank you Martin (laughs) and um I don't remember much with Finn I don't I don't and that that worries me too because it's like where where was I and I and I get that like Okay, your second child, right? Like, it, just as you said, there's there's no pause, there's no, no. break, there's no stop. Right. Um, and actually, now that I'm going back in my mind of like, well, yeah, because that was, like, my mom was there. Again, she was able to come and she right. was there for the birth, um, but she was struggling. Right. She was. She was. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this was right before we found out that she had cancer. But she. Um, was in her own depression, and I remember thinking that she didn't want to be there, Aww. and that that had made me feel like, what's wrong with me? That my old mom doesn't want to be here for my second, yeah. you know. And then my brother had some like health issues, and and so like I'm, I'm putting this all together. I was like, holy shit! Like so much of our existence as you know 
pre, during, post babies is so wrapped up in complete chaos. Mm-hmm. How is it that we're even able to pay attention to our internal barometer and like our relationships with our family and our spouse or our second child or I mean our first child right right? like there's so much happening and like if we're not slowing down and really taking the time to one talk to other people about it really rely on our support network right um and work through these things we really are just putting ourselves at like a really significant disadvantage right and at risk for and at risk of like massive yeah horrible horrific things happening to ourselves and to the people that we love yeah like fuck i'll go back yeah no so what point um during your treatment did you see like a a a shift like Mm. you know like there's always Mm -hmm. at least in my experience too in my own work there's um pretty significant like breakthroughs right where you kind of wake up the next morning you're like oh okay and suddenly you're living a different life Mm -hmm. right did you have that or was it more gradual oh no I totally did and it's so funny because like so I've always like been into writing and like it's something that like I put so much pressure on myself and so like I just get overwhelmed and don't do it at all um, and it, my, my postpartum therapist actually encouraged me to write again. And so like, I started like writing about my postpartum experience and like, I literally don't have a ton of entries of what I was writing because I started to get better and I didn't really feel it or want it anymore. But I, I had this journal entry and like, I remember the moment, like I, I woke up and, um, I walk out into the hallway and, um, and it was such a, like, my English major is like coming out of me. I'm like, it's a foil for, it was like, <laughs> um, it was so, it was such a stark contrast between shitty thoughts I had, had versus like what I was seeing in that moment. So like, this is, this is a lovely, shameful thought that I had that I shame myself for even now. Sometimes, um, I remember walking by Violet's room and seeing her like looking through books. She was like three. And the first thought in my head was like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't even read those. And I was like, what the fuck, Laura? Yeah. You know, like I was like. Holy crap. In my head. Yeah, like like repulsed that that you would have that thought. Right. Well, and it it was in the the disgusting part of it was like, I, I was repulsed by her. Right. In that moment. And then I was repulsed by me. Right. And I was the one that was, yeah, I was repulsive. So like, it was like, oh. I walk by a room and all the books are on the floor. And typically I would have gotten angry and I would have been like, what the fuck? Like putting them back. She wasn't even in the room. I think she was at school and I would have been like putting them back and angry at it. And like, what's the fucking point? Everybody makes a mess. And I just right. and you have to keep cleaning it over and over and over and over and over over again. Right. But instead I sat there and I sat down on the floor and the first thing I did was smile because I saw all her books and I sat down and I started looking through her books and I was like, Oh, like she, like thinking about her doing it. And I started like having all these warm feelings. And like one of the books was a book that I really liked when I was a kid that my mom and I had stole from Rockville Public Library. (laughs) Still fucking have it. 1987, 88. Sorry. It's Rosebud the Turtle. I was going to say, you're you're going to tell them? Yes. Gonna yeah. look at, you're going to get a bill. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> fuck. I don't even... Good luck finding me, fuckers. Again, I'm looking at the microphone like, come get me. Oh, 
know, I saw it and it was like, just, I, the, the words that I used in the journal entry today was different. Like that was it. It was just different. Yeah. Like something that would have made me angry shifted, shifted. And yeah. instead it made me feel what I felt like was more in line with me. Not right. necessarily what I should be feeling because you shouldn't be feeling anything, but what I would feel. Yeah. Not this like alien crazy lady that yes. was like living in my body. <laughs> and so and so here you are having a moment where you're recognizing you're reconnecting with yourself again. Yes. And not only that recognizing and reconnecting with my idea of my daughter. Yeah. You know, and so it was it was that was the shift. So it, it yes, there was a moment like a yeah. moment for me and and like that was it. And then everything kind of just started like improving coming together yeah. and you know, and things. And you still like, kept going to therapy. I did. Right. I did. Even though you saw that things were right. improving, you were feeling more connected. You yep. still kept going. Absolutely. And I think I, um, my, I, I only went to therapy for like, I'd say like six months of that because by the six month mark and I still was going to med management, you know, right. everything like that. I still fucking take medication. Of course. So like power to the people. Yeah. Um, but like I, you know, I was still doing all of the things and, um, it was, I did that spring in March, I did my components of care training with Postpartum Support International and my, my therapist was there and it was like this really like, it was kind of cool. <laughs> like she was there and I was there and it was like, hey. <laughs> it was like, Such a beautiful hey, right. like, Here we are. Yeah. Like you saw me at my worst right. and here I am at my best. Right. Right. And I do, I have, you know, and now that I, I, I serve on, um, I'm the just recently the chairperson of the fundraising and events committee for postpartum support international's Connecticut chapter and my therapist, um, at the time, she's no longer my therapist. Cause now, you know, we're like colleagues, more yeah. colleagues, um, which is what happens. And especially in the postpartum world, like I would we're so tiny, like yeah. everybody's like, like you see a provider in their postpartum time and then you like grow a provider. So like, I love it that's like pretty much the whole mental right. health field, right? Like we're all just, I always tell people, oh, I tell my clients all the time. I'm not here because I haven't had good therapy. Right. I'm here because of those experiences. Right. Um, it was good therapy that made me want to do this, you right. know, and it's true. And it was, it was good therapy that initially made me want to be a therapist. And it was good therapy, good postpartum therapy that made me want to do the same for, for other women. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking incredible. Yeah. Right. And I like, I love that not only are you able to like recognize it, but so candidly share, like, I'm still like, <laughs> like my own emotions right now are still like so raw Aww. because of, of like just how transparent you were about this very painful experience that you had and, and sure. how, yeah, and just how many other um, families can, like, benefit from this. You know, like, my initial thought is, like, how many other women? I'm like, no, like, you know, there are fathers out there who yep. are going to experience this too yep. and who I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, women's reproductive health and women's um, mental health as it right. relates to the perinatal mental health experience but um you know I'm certain that fathers kind of had these experiences yes. too yep. so like in your experience 
um, either with Racco, if you want to like put oh, him yeah. on blast oh, here again, blast. or if you want to share about like your own clients, like what is it that you see men experiencing as fathers? Right. So, you know, the men in the perinatal world, um, are just, it's just so fascinating. So men um, also experience postpartum mood disorder. So postpartum, at this point, are, we call them PMADs, postpartum mood and, mood and anxiety disorders. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, at this point, what, what we look at in our postpartum ward, and of course, you know how the DSM works. Yeah. Um, they're not indicated as such in the DSM. We do have a postpartum depression diagnosis in the DSM uh, five now, so fucking thank you. But um, we recognize postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum OCD, postpartum bipolar, and postpartum psychosis um, as the most prevalent um, yeah. in, in, and postpartum psychosis being the, the rarest um, with, I believe, less than 1%. Right. Um, and so, and, and, and I think that's a huge distinction too, because you're saying just that even in your own experience mm -hmm. that like these negative intrusive thoughts that can yeah. be so intense are not actually psychosis. That's like, that psychosis, is generally yeah. related more to the anxiety, depression, or OCD. Right. Where the psychosis is just a whole other postpartum psychosis is a medical emergency. Yeah. You know, and it, it, the onset is usually seventy-two hours. Wow. After birth, um, and so you're looking at a mom who's engaging in bizarre behavior, um, whose thoughts are, you know, she might be having intrusive thoughts, but she doesn't think they're a bad idea. <laughs> there you go. She's and like, yes. oh yes. Drowning my baby. That yeah. seems okay. like what's Psychosis. going to set us free. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, All right, so sorry to go back to men. <laughs> men, dads. Yeah. So dads are awesome. Um, and you know, and 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 the same is true of like the word that I love is non-birthing partners because it 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 applies to fathers and then it it applies to mothers. It applies to everybody in the this realm and even within, um, you know. Uh, gay men like a right. gay couple like both of them could experience this postpartum of course yes. because just because they didn't put your baby out right so it's you know? not like what's hormonal is two weeks after giving birth so okay. two weeks baby blues yeah hormonal after that two week mark now you're moving into the clinical depression anxiety realm um and so and 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 even more exciting sorry i'm bouncing all over the place. i know <laughs> but like back to my non-birthing partners um, I was at the annual conference this year in Portland this summer, which was phenomenal, and I got to watch some amazing male providers in the field who specialize in dads speak, and one of the guys was talking about research on hormone shifts in men right. and prevalency of, um, of uh, depression, postpartum depression anxiety in them, and there is a correlation. Now, of course, correlation does not equal causation. Sure. But, but it's super fucking interesting. Yeah. Um, so one in seven women will experience a postpartum mood disorder and one in 10 men. And if your spouse, as, as a non-birthing partner, if your spouse has a postpartum mood disorder, it puts you at a 50% greater chance than if they didn't wow. of you experiencing one yourself. Right. And after the fact, you know, my husband and I, like after I went to the conference, uh, by initial components of care training and like talking about it, and I'm like... Rocco, like, I think you had postpartum depression anxiety. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure I did. Like, <laughs> we both are yes, like, yeah, yeah. Yep, totally <laughs> fucking yes. <laughs> and I see a lot of men in my practice. I do. I see a lot of couples where, like, the guys do. And, you know, if we think moms and women are resistant, like, men are even... They're, they're, they're harder. I know. And that's why I'm like, all right, so tell me about the guys. Yeah. Right? Tell right. me about these non-birthing partners because I think that, you know, there's definitely a lot more... 
discussion right Right. now about women and about us being more transparent about Mm -hmm. our experiences and stuff like that but we still have a lot of ways to go yep and so you know kind of reinforcing that like this this is not a a hormonal thing that as you describe it like because you just birthed a child and this is not something that's necessarily only indicative of um parents who have birthed, you know, right. like you can have these kinds of experiences right. after adopting a child yes. and have these experiences yes. even after adopting a child, maybe who's older. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So these are the kinds of experiences that are not, how do I say this? Like the box that we have of, of our idea of what these things are, right. are so far outside right. of that. It is. It is. And it can, and it, and the more we talk about how far that line goes, I right. think the greater the population that we're going to grab and realize yes. that like so many of us, I think parent, right, are right. experiencing these kinds of things. Absolutely. And the fun thing about men, just men in particular, um, is, you know, they express their symptoms look different. Yeah. So tell me about that. So, um, yeah. So, no, so super interesting. Um, you know, birth trauma is also another like huge topic, um, in our field and women like, you know, perfectly like medically speaking, I'm doing air quotes, medically speaking, (laughs) medically speaking, perfect births can be perceived as traumatic to a mother. Um, and if you read, um, at the, at our components of care, Cheryl Beck, um, who is, uh, EPRN in Yukon, she's like, um, phenomenal and does a ton of research on, um, birth trauma. And she was reading, um, different, um, women's stories of their birth trauma and like all of them pretty much read like a rape like the objectification like the lack of communication like it was insane and so you know what and the other thing that's really interesting is what a birthing partner perceives as traumatic or not the non-birthing partner can have a totally different experience right you know, so maybe the mother has had, maybe the mother had a great birth experience and loved it. And the partner sees everything and isn't really included in the conversations or doesn't understand, or there's a moment where he's unsure or she's unsure with what's going on with the baby. And they then perceive that moment as traumatic. Like, right. So, you know, that different experiences is really important. Um, so sorry, just to, to kind of go back to the question about symptom, um, symptomology symptomology of men um you know you think about men and what a lot of the times what we'll see with um guys who are experiencing like postpartum anxiety depression of course is anger um they they, they're they're angry um they're isolated Mm -hmm. irritable isolated they don't you know you'll hear statements from mom like you know he doesn't want to hold the baby he doesn't want to be involved he's always out he's more concerned with mowing the lawn than he is with helping me in the house. Wow. You know, he's he's definitely trying to remove himself from the family. Um, and um, drinking more, more substance use, those types of like more externalizing behaviors. Right. Um, and then when you ask dad about his experience, oh, they just, they, I love him. I fucking love him, Kat. <laughs> I know, I'm like going back in my mind of like, okay, Martin, you and I are going to have to have a conversation. Right, like, like, I want to know what you're We're going back. Is, right? Eight because years, dude. Do you know what Martin's going to say? Like, if you're like, Martin, what was like the birth of our daughter like? Yeah. He's going to talk about like your perspective, but from his. Like, right. oh yeah, you were doing this and right. you were doing that. And then you look like this and then you look like, but then you have like, and this is what they do. 
You know, I'll be like, well, tell me what the birth was like for you. Well, she went into labor around Right, they're talking time. about the facts of well, it, like her. Right, and then I'm like, and what were you doing? Well, I was at work. Okay, well, how are you feeling? Uh, I don't know. You know, and so, like, their whole perspective is based around, or what they tell you is based around her experience. And because then, that's what they've been told right. to do. And then half the time, her, you're like, not. what, you know, well, how did you deal with that? Well, I just, you know, I was just trying to be there for her. Right. I was just trying to be there for her. I'm trying to be the rock for her, you know? And so you, you see them consistently pushing themselves aside and then there'll be like this moment in therapy where it's like, yeah, I hear that. But like, what about you? What what about you? You know, what was that like for you? And then they'll be like, this is terrifying. Yes. (laughs) Vulnerability. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to call Martin. (laughs) We're coming for you. I'm coming for you, dude. Right. Right, and like sometimes it'll what? be like, well, tell me, you know, like it's when you say tell me your birth story, you know, guys like start tuning out, but like it's like, no, tell me your birth story. Like, what was the birth of your child like? Like, tell me what you were doing, how you were feeling, not her. I don't care about her. <laughs> I'm like, I'm. I'm getting all sorts of like feelings of, of shame myself, no! like as a, as a as a mom, as a partner, as a therapist of being like, oh. <laughs> Oh shit, you're right. We don't do that. No. And and even still, like the story that I that that we tell about his involvement with my firstborn was, you know, I was in labor for 22 hours. That was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my water broke initially too, so it was like 22 hours of like Game on. active labor. <laughs> um, the last two hours of it in. Now, maybe I was it was when I was pushing, he actually fell asleep. <laughs> so he's like four feet from me, right. snoring, and I'm screaming, right. pushing. And he's probably and so he's fucking exhausted. And like, and like I'm laughing because yeah. this is hysterical, because I'm like, of course he is. But but then now I'm thinking of like, but but what was that experience for him? Right. You know, like that he How was did he so feel exhausted, when he woke up? right? You know? And like slept through a part of it. Right. Like is that something that he then felt bad about? Or yeah. is that like, did he need it? Like, you know, now I have all these questions of like, I've never right. even asked you that. Right. I've always And now I feel bad. Like, why didn't I ask you that? Why are we not asking the men <laughs> their feelings? So do you want to know what the leading cause of death in postpartum women is? I do. For a second, I was trying to guess. I mean, like, is it suicide? It is. Yeah. It is. Suicide. Suicide. And... The postpartum care in the United States of America is fucking appalling. It's disgusting. We have one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the fucking world. In the world. It is just, I mean, that's just, I mean, like, I'm nodding my head, like, but right. I know. Well, and because it, the mental health field right. is, is appalling as a right. you know, in of itself. So but I can only imagine. The even more fucked up thing, Kat, that's for you and I as white women. Right. Yeah. For women of color. It's it's insane. It's insane. I don't have the number, but it is fucking insane. It's it doesn't. In the honestly, it doesn't fucking matter what the actual number is. No, it's because disgusting. it's fucking disgusting. Yes. like just period. Like yes. this is a problem. It's we disgusting. shouldn't be fucking dying. No, and we should sure as fuck shouldn't have suicide rates that we have at right now. And I just want I want to go back to your point too about um. Because I'm, I'm angry about this. I'm going to try to keep my composure. <laughs> don't. Not. Don't. Let it out. <laughs> Let it shit. out. I'll match you. Um, the fact that you were so dismissed by your providers infuriates me. I know. I know. And what 
what I am experiencing both in my personal life too, as I'm going through my own uh, physical deterioration, <laughs> right? Um, is that um, a lot of medical providers are being really dismissive, mm-hmm. and um, if if someone is reaching out to you and saying, "This is what my experience is with my body," right? We fucking know our bodies. Right. Stop telling us that we don't. Right. Stop telling us it's in our head. Right. Because our head and our body is connected. They right. work together. Right. So if you have somebody who's calling you and saying, I'm concerned about prolapse. I feel like I have a fucking golf ball in my vagina. Right. Which, that's what baby, like. right. that's exactly what it fucking feels like. Yes. I can't tell you how many months after I had been... Because it was my second that I felt right. like I had that golf ball. <laughs> you know, but like, but like your provider, if you're calling that much, it's just like, hello, something's going on with this woman. Bring this person in, right. sit them down, have a conversation right. with them, right, and ask them about their mental health. Right. Ask them about their anxiety, about right. their depression. Right. And if you, as a provider, feel ill-equipped, right, which for one, you shouldn't because you're a fucking provider. Um, then you need to refer out. And there was, you know, so I I did know at that point because I had started therapy later. I think I had just started therapy or something like that. Like, I don't know. I knew about pelvic floor physical therapy. Yeah. And so I begged for a referral. Right. And they gave me one. And it's a good fucking thing they did because my pelvic floor PT, who is amazing, um, and it's the most awkward type of physical therapy ever, um, but she was like, oh, it feels like there's a golf ball in your vagina, Laura, because you're running like a fucking idiot and you have pulled your fucking hip flexor. <laughs> She's like, you have no glute strength and you have no business running right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. But it took you yes. being advocating for myself. Incessant, right. right? For them to finally do, do something, something about it. But it wasn't what but you said I need a physical therapy. I said I want a pelvic floor PT. Right. And so, they're like, Well, I don't think you need that. I think you need to go. I think you're what did she say to me? She was like, I think you're just your bones are have shifted around, which is true. I did have pubic synthesis, but I'm like, I have a chiropractor. I don't need to go see him right now. Okay. And this is, again, I'm going to try not to get angry. Right. Because it doesn't sound like your situation situation. we were talking about. Not about my vagina. My vagina is doing fabulously right now. Thank you. Um, Yes. So we know our bodies. Yes. Right. And so here you are saying exactly what it is that you need. Yes. Because you are educated enough and informed enough. How many times did you Google it? Right. Right? For you to be able to go in there and say, this is exactly what I have. This is, that's what's happening right. to me. And it right. only took me going and doing research online. Right. Talking to other people. Right. Where I was able to say, okay, fuck my doctors because they sure as fuck aren't helping me. It's been a decade. Right. And they're telling me it's this, that, and the other. And I'm telling right. them, no, it's not. It's not what's actually happening. Right. When I go in there and say, this is what's actually happening. And then they're still not listening. Right. Like, how, how I, I mean, like, the numbers of that happening for women alone, let alone during pregnancy, during attempts to conceive with fertility issues. Don't even get me started I about. I can't even imagine. During miscarriage. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit with that for a second. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, we don't have another 12 hours to sit and have this conversation no, about all the things forever. that we totally could about all the things that need to shift and change. I do want to say that, like, I think one of the most pivotal things that I've experienced, um, it sounds like you have most certainly experienced, I'm sure hundreds of thousands, if not millions of women have experienced that if you don't advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. if you don't do your own research, if you right. don't educate yourself, mm-hmm. yourself, yep. 
then you are not going to get the kind of treatment that you need. And that I'm right. so sorry that I have to say that because it's totally fucked no, up. We should be so able true. to go to our doctors it's and so we should be able to trust them to right. say, this is what I'm struggling with. Right. And I know not all doctors are like this. I know no. that there are doctors out there who, right. who can be, you know, on the ball, but there's, there's a huge right. problem here. And if we're left with medical providers who aren't being mindful of the mental health impact. Right. Right. And then we're having ridiculously high suicide rates. And in all honesty, the, the provider I was seeing seemed annoyed with me. Like, if you're getting annoyed with me, then you know that something's going on. Like, and I get it. I get I, I understand. Like, as a provider, like, yes, it can be annoying sometimes if somebody comes in and is like, this is what I think I have and da da da. But I'm going to listen to you because you might know what you're talking about. Well, that, and that's the just thing. Just entertain the like, fucking idea. Can you please just not pretend that you know everything right. and listen to your patient? Right. Why is that difficult? I don't know. When I have clients come to me, I don't act like I know everything. No. I listen to them. Yes. God, sometimes I think I act like I know nothing. <laughs> to a fault. <laughs> sometimes, right? Right. And so, you know, yeah, advocate for yourself. Fuck, mm-hmm. advocate for yourself. Well, and when it comes to advocating for yourself, this is where I will plug postpartum um, support international because yeah. we have the best fucking resources. So I was going to say, so I'm sitting here saying Google it, but really let's not just blame no. Google stuff. Let's be so, as specific as we can when we're educating ourselves right. and being right. informed. So, so postpartum, um, so if you go online to postpartum.net. Postpartum. <laughs> How do you spell that so that everyone gets it? Oh, fuck. <laughs> P-O-P-O-S-T-P-A-R-T-U-M P-O-P-O-S-T-P-A-R-T-U-M dot N-E-T. That is post International's um, international webpage. And throughout there, so there's resources and links for everybody. There's for family members. Awesome. There's for women. There's for dads. They have virtual support groups. Yay. We have a helpline that will respond to you within 24 hours, and anybody can call the helpline. Anybody. Moms, um, grandmothers, grandparents, friends, aunts, anybody. A lot of the times we have people that are like, hey, my my cousin's like struggling. I see her struggling. What resor- resources can I offer her? Um, there's also links of like get, um, get help. And that'll take you to your state chapters. And Connecticut does have a state chapter. Good. Um, and um, we have care coordinators um, pretty much in most of the counties. Um, and our care coordinators, um, all of their names, mine is one of them, um, is on the website. And they'll connect you to uh, Postpartum Support International Week. Like, we have free support groups um, that's amazing. in almost every county. I mean, that's okay, right? right? Because, like, not if, quite, if, if not quite, but you're getting yeah. there, right? Yeah. And the more right. we talk about this and the more right. we highlight how much of a need this right. is, the more chapters are going to, like, Right, grow. right, yeah. and so we have support groups okay. um, for you know moms that like can't, um, you know don't don't you know maybe they have a high copay or whatever. The support groups are free. All the support groups on the website are free, um, and then we have you know a lot of our perinatal focused therapists in Connecticut. We have a few perinatal informed um, providers, but we are doing a frontline provider training um, specifically for med providers oh, um, in the summer. And um, that will be great because that'll get more med providers trained in perinatal mental health because you get the same thing happening that you tell a 
a psychiatrist that you're having intrusive thoughts and he's going to give you a bill of and you're going to, and then she's going to come back to me and I'm going to go, no, she's not psychotic. Right. And you know what? Bring up a, so I just want to double back here. Well, for one, I will put a link to this resource oh, yeah, yeah. Check it out. on the podcast yep. link so that you guys have access to it. Um, I suggest, you know, Go and check out the website anyway, because yeah. I'm sure that you will learn something, yep. and it will help you and any of your friends and any future um, parents or soon-to-be parents or right. Fuck anybody. Everyone. <laughs> I'm like I, everybody. Everyone. Um. So I just want to go back and say I don't have anything against medical providers. I don't have anything against any providers. I am well aware that the problem that we are all struggling with is systemic. Oh gosh. Right. Like our, our fields are struggling to meet the needs of everyone. Our patients. Yeah. You know, everyone and everyone and ourselves because of the, the problem of our culture and the problem of our society and where we are right now. Um, and so, like, as much as I'm angry and frustrated at, you know, these right. experiences that we've had, I also have a level of compassion that, like, we are trying to do our best. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's just really important that, you know, if somebody is coming to you and they're pretty adamant, mm-hmm. fucking listen to them. Right. Well, and this, the state of, I mean, God, like, there's so many fucking things. If you are a medical provider and you are listening and you have a mom walk, walk in and you, you're not sure how to medicate her, mother to baby. Go online, look up Mother to Baby. They're to baby. out of Yukon, and they um, and even even um, so they'll they'll help you with drug interactions. Mm. Um, they'll help you with uh, medication during nursing. Um, and Postpartum Support International has consult a psychiatrist. It's a free service. As a awesome. med provider, you can call and consult um, our you know the specialized psychiatrists that. Um, do work with postpartum and so if you are a med provider and you have any concerns or a mom um, you know because there is a lot of new that field which I you know is outside of my scope of practice but that field is growing and changing in the knowledge and research that's coming with what's safe um, to actually take during pregnancy um, is is phenomenal Oh, I am so beyond grateful yeah. that, like, all of these resources are available, and I'm so fucking beyond grateful for you. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm going to try not to start crying again. Oh, God. I love you. My palms are getting sweaty. <laughs> now? I'm just sweating now? <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> no, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you're an amazing human being, thank and you. I'm just beyond grateful for all the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're a fucking amazing mom thanks and violet and iris yep are two amazing lucky girls who's got you and rocco they're so good thank you thank you so much for having me this has been so much fun i know we'll do it again yeah hang out let's just hang out and mic us the whole time Uh, well (laughs) we're going to in fact i'm going to pause this and then we'll just start another one All right, peace out. Bye. Thank you for listening. Join me on the next episode of Unfuck Your Head as we continue to build a community where understanding human health is at the forefront of real change. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Unfuck Your Head Podcast. 
You can also check out upcoming podcasts, my blog, and ways to contribute to our mission by visiting our website at unfuckyourhead.org. Fuck your head